The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, in partnership with Kiwi Bank, the bank for Kiwi looking to get ahead in business and in life, a bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify, a bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers, that is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose, Kiwi making Kiwi better off. Time to tell you about one of my little obsessions. I love steam coming out of the ground because I grew up in the central North Island, not far from Rotorua. And even though uh, I lived near it, it never stopped being fascinating. I always used to love going to see the mud plopping and the steam spewing out. And my parents were scared witless I'd fall in a hole. And whenever we drove past those amazing pipes near Taupo at Wairaki, I'd always say to mum and dad, stop the car, stop the car, I want to see the steam pipes. And every time I drive past now as an old man, I still get a little frisson of excitement like I was when a kid. What is this stuff? It's amazing. But it's been a long time since anyone's thought about geothermal as one of the solutions to our electrification issues. Of course, we're almost always using electricity that is produced renewably. Not always. When we have a dry winter, then we have to burn something. Often it's gas, sometimes it's coal. At the moment, we've had a lot of wet winters, so we're almost 100% renewable. And we always think renewable means mostly hydro, and then there's some wind and maybe a bit of solar, but we forget about the geothermal, which actually makes up more than a quarter, sometimes a third of our electricity production. From those big pipes at Wairake and also some new geothermal stations just around the central North Island. But we don't really see it as part of the future of the electrification, of the move to completely renewable power. And also, of course, as we expand the use of electricity for transport as part of the solution to dealing with climate change. But maybe we should. This week on When the Facts Change, I speak to Isabel Schumpfort, who is the Energy Futures Theme Leader at GNS Sciences. She's a real enthusiast about STEAM. And in a way, we, we share some of the same obsessions. But not just the STEAM as we know it now and the stations we have now, but what we could do in the future. She sees huge opportunities, not just to have more uh, geothermal power stations in other parts of the central North Island using new technologies that have been developed since the first station we built in the 1950s. There is this theory, the use of supercritical 
fluids trapped much deeper down than we've seen before that could deliver electricity at a rate of 10 times the amount we currently get from steam. Now, some of this technology is a way off, but some of it's almost there. In countries like Iceland and Japan, there is a lot of development in drilling deep to get these supercritical fluids up and producing electricity. It's something we need to think about because we have a particular problem in Aotearoa with where we get our electricity from and what type of renewable it is. The great thing about hydro and the reason we've been using it so heavily for 40 or 50 years is that it provides a great base load. So whenever you need to ramp up your electricity production, you have control. You can turn the dial and let the water go faster down the chutes. You don't have to rely on the sun or the wind to deliver you the electricity you've got. You also have, in effect, a huge battery and all of that water stuck behind the dam. Now, that's fine when it's full, and of course, this winter it is definitely full, but we know we have a dry winter problem. And as we increasingly use electricity, and we use it at the top of the North Island, a long way away from where our big batteries are, uh, down the bottom of the South Island, we have to look at other ways to deal with this baseload problem, the dry winter problem, and also getting electricity to where people live. That means upper half of the North Island. And the central North Island is rich in geothermal energy. This week on When the Facts Change, we dive deep. Not quite that deep, and luckily it's not dangerous, but we go deep under the earth looking for the solution to our electrification challenge and how we're going to find ways to electrify our transport in the upper half of the North Island and provide alternatives to the sorts of hydro batteries that we've talked about with Lake Onslow. This week on When the Facts Change. Well, Isabel, welcome to When the Facts Change. Uh, tell us about geothermal energy and the role it could play in helping to electrify Aotearoa. Good day, um, Bernard. Um, it's a pleasure to be talking to you today about geothermal. Well, geothermal is already playing a big part in New Zealand. We already, 19 to 20% of our electricity is already generated via geothermal. So really what we want for the future is to see and if geothermal can be a big part in basically transitioning from a fossil fuel energy to a zero carbon future. So tell us about um, how much of New Zealand's uh, electricity is generated by high geothermal at the moment, where it's done, and what the opportunities are to do a lot more. So, um, so right now it's 19%, as I was saying. It's mainly located in uh, the Topo Volcanic Zone, which is this area between Lake Topo and Bay of Plenty, so mainly in the North Island. There's one power station at Nafa, which is at the top of Northland. And this area between Topo and Bay of Plenty is one of the most active volcanic regions on Earth. So there 
is actually a very large amount of magma and heat at depths. And it's this heat that the geothermal industry is targeting. And you can see that through all of the geothermal, wonderful geothermal expression that we have at the surface, um, like the mud pool, the geyser, um, and other, other steam coming out of the ground. So right now we're utilizing geothermal um, for generating electricity in the Topo district. There's five power stations at Waki Tohara, uh, Rotokawa, and Mokai as one, well, Natamariki. All of those sites um, have some power station attached to it. And there's a new power station that's going to be commissioned at the end of the year um, in the Tohara site that's already going to that's going to bring more electricity to the grid, probably reaching 22% of our electricity. So it's, it's definitely an energy source that is renewable and it is part of New Zealand's culture. And what are the opportunities to go deeper and to get a particularly hot version of geothermal? Could you talk about that? So obviously, because we have such a large amount of heat that it transfers from the crust, just by natural geological processes, we have the opportunity to explore what we call super hot fluids, which are fluids that are less dense, but have a higher energetic capability. And, and we probably find them around 4.55 kilometers deep in the crust. Right now, we are targeting the majority of what we call the conventional high-temperature geothermal system. The majority of those wells are drilled around three kilometers. And so, and the highest temperature recorded is around 320, 330. So, we're really not that far from having condition above what we call the critical point of water, where we have those high fluids. And as such, we, we, if we can increase the energetic output for each well we're drilling, we can really increase the possibility of our geothermal electricity generation. And uh, tell us why this um, particularly hot type of uh, geothermal can be extra efficient and powerful. Well, it's extra efficient, as I was saying, is yes, the well will cost a little bit more to drill, but if you can have, you know, triple the energetic output per well, more or less, that's what we're looking at for a good energetic output. So basically, you can have an energetic output around 80 uh, megawatt exergy. So you, you will have less real estate, if you want, to generate more energy. And this energy is quite important to bring it to the grid because it is a base load. And so a lot that will always be 24-7 on the grid, guarantee and bringing security to, to the grid that we have always this baseline electricity. This is quite important because a lot of this baseline electricity right now is, um, is not only done by the, the conventional geothermal that we already have, but there's a lot of the hydro as well. So that will compensate probably for some of the maybe some drier, maybe the effect of climate change on our hydroelectricity in the future. So this is quite an exciting possibility for New Zealand. Because we've got a big problem with the potential for a dry year, and there's been a lot of talk about um, spending big chunks of money and spending a decade on consenting for a 
a very large hydro uh, battery in the South Island. But can you sort of explain how um, this type of geothermal could perform a lot of the same role as as one of those uh, hydro batteries? So the reason, I think one of the key things that we need to bring it back is that why do we need battery? And why the world is looking, it's not just New Zealand, why do we look for having battery where we can store the energy um, and we can use it when we need it? Is because the increase of renewable, like wind and solar, that are not 24-7, increase the, the fluctuation of electricity that you can have to the grid. So this intermittent source of power, if you want, needs to be able to, we need to be able to capture that energy and then being able to release via the battery. But if we're going to the source of it, is that, well, we have we need to increase our renewable share. There's no doubt about that. But we maybe we can decrease the need of battery by putting more on the base load to start with and then using some hydro or the other, mainly the hydro, as a peak system. So it's it's quite a conversation. It's quite interesting to think a little bit differently. And we're one of the rare countries in the world that can maybe have this possibility because we have those large geothermal resources, but we also have those large hydroelectric resources. And how close is the technology to be able to actually turn this very hot uh, geothermal into electricity? Because other parts of the world, Iceland, Japan, do a lot of geothermal? Indeed, they do a lot of geothermal, and it's not the only one. They're geothermal, Philippines, Indonesia. There's some big geothermal country out there. So in terms of technology, reaching those conditions, those fluid conditions has been reached by drilling. One of the challenge is the engineering of the wellhead to have a well that can maintain this kind of powerful pressure that you have from, from the depths. And, and then the, the, the turbine that is associated with that, so the design of a power station. Um, and uh, in terms of technology, when you're thinking about, we, we've been thinking at a time when you're looking in the 1950s, the 90s, well, 1950s really, when we decided to ex- to explore for geothermal and New Zealand decided to go with Waikiki geothermal field, in less than 10 years, they literally find the technology to separate the liquid and the steam and to develop the power station. So it's, I think, like, if we are a very optimistic, the time frame, by 2035, we could have a power station. By 2045, 2050 is a very conservative time frame. So the technology, it's mainly an engineering challenge, but we're not the only one doing this. As you mentioned, Japan and Iceland are definitely putting a lot of effort into designing power station, designing well. Um, so it's really a, a matter of learning from each other and bringing tech transfer so we can advance faster this engineering solution. But we can send some, you know, we, we human develop some technology to be able, you know, to go to the moon or to go to, to Mars. So it's really... Um, suddenly designing a wellhead that can maintain the pressure and changing a little bit the condition of the fluid we, we normally use doesn't seem like a big engineering challenge. And I'm sure there's a lot of intelligent people that are right now working on that problem. When the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's KiwiBank's Chief Economist Jared Kerr on what's happening with inflation in 2024. 
Globally, inflation rose to really high levels. We saw inflation averaging over 10% uh, last year. Now central banks have reacted. They've tightened monetary policy. They've lifted interest rates to levels where it hurts. We've seen growth slow down and we're seeing inflation coming off, which is great news because we import a lot of inflation from the rest of the world and that imported inflation is easing. So half the job that we're trying to do locally is is being done for us offshore. The other half, the domestic bit, well, that's the tough bit. That's the sticky inflation that's coming out of a housing market, it's coming out of construction, it's coming out of service industries, and it's going to be hard to contain. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Jared and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tāmaki Makaurau, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Tell us too about the uh, emissions profile of uh, geothermal because there was a time, and I I grew up uh, around those geothermal um, projects uh, in the central North Island, and I was always fascinated by the steam and imagined it was just steam, just uh, water vapour, but uh, it's a little bit more complicated. Could you tell us about uh, the um, climate emissions that actually come from geothermal? So. Uh, yes, as you, you perfectly right, there is a lot of, um, if you're going outside, if you're going into the geothermal highway, you will see some steam rising. You will see some of the power plants that have a steam cloud above them. Most of it is water, obviously, but as part of that, there is uh, some greenhouse gas and non-combustible gas, such as the CO2. But one of the key aspects, first of all, that people really need to understand is that the CO2 that is generated as a power station is not due to the combustion of fossil fuel. So it's not, it's not like gas or coal where you're burning a, a carbon-rich material and release CO2. We're basically transferring the CO2 that's already in the crust, that's already there, towards the surface. So this CO2 is coming from, because as I mentioned before, from the volcanoes. It's a big volcanic area that even if we didn't have a power station, you still have CO2, they're guessing. And as such, if you're going to Waimangu, Waiotapu, those beautiful Tonga that New Zealand has, there is CO2, they're guessing naturally. So the power station CO2 emission is, is, is a transfer of natural processes. This said... Um, the geothermal industry is very conscious of the CO2 and doesn't want to affect the whole, the whole reservoir dynamic, if you want. So they've been starting in the three years ago. They really put their thinking cap together and they already engineer a solution. And so they are really start to capturing the CO2 emission and putting it back at the reservoir exactly the same way we're doing with the fluid. So the power station is becoming carbon zero. 
And I think this week at Geothermal Week was a great announcement that one of actually one of the biggest uh, power station is now carbon zero. Uh, one of the biggest emitter in, in, in carbon is now carbon zero, which is fantastic. So we, we really, it's a very, uh, almost a closed loop system. We, you know, you're extracting some of the fluid and some gas, utilizing it in the power station, just extracting the heat, generating electricity and everything except a little bit of energy and a little bit of heat is putting back in the reservoir. So in terms as well of returning things to the natural state, we're hoping that it's, it's getting as, as sustainable and as uh, environmental friendly as it can be for any type of energy. Uh, dumb question, but um, does geothermal energy last? You know, do, is there a limit to how much you can s- suck out, so to speak? And also, how often do you have to replace these plants? Because I can imagine some of the gases are quite taxing on the machines and the pipes. Uh, in terms of the lasting, well, Waikiki has been going on since 1958. So it's obviously of a learning curve, I will say, and some learning lesson from the past. I think the system is as sustainable as it can be. We have very few chains of cooling magmas, if you want, cooling the system. And the key aspect of that is knowing how much heat is coming at depth, how much you can re-inject and how close you are uh, from the heat source. So you have actually not, you're not cooling down your system. So it's really important to really know your reservoir for best managed to be as sustainable as it can be. and, and honestly, the, the, in New Zealand, the regulations are, are really strict compared to other countries. And, um, and the, this, this reinjection process is quite regulated. And obviously, no geothermal operator wants to cool down the system. Like, it's a really good approach. And it's, I don't think we're going to, the more we're utilizing this energy, the more, the more we're learning about reinjection and the more we're learning about how to best utilize. But if you're thinking in, in terms of the, the heat source in the TVZ, I don't think that we're going to see that disappear in for a very long time, just to the sheer volume of magma that's down there. In terms of the corrosion and the lifetime of a power station, Waraki will be the first power station to be decommissioned. So Contact Energy just got the recent thing for uh, redeveloping or developing, continuing developing Waraki geothermal field. So this has been approved um, and for 40 years, something like that. And as part of that, they commission the old Waikiki power station that's around the Waikato River, knowing that they have the new one, Temihi, uh, that is already operating. So it's not that we're going to have a, a loss of energy when they're doing this, but this, this power station needs really to be updated to the uh, standard of today, I will say. Like it's a lot of technology I've improved in the last 60 years, a lot more efficiency, a lot more, uh, obviously, environmentally friendly. So it's not a bad lifetime for a power station, I think. And in the future, more of a power station, quite, they, they're designed for a long, long time. Uh, it's, it's as long as a nuclear power point is consented or things like that. So it's quite, it's quite reliable for that person. The corrosion is, we're often thinking that there is, yes, a lot of acid fluid and corrosion, but actually they don't 
we, they have really good management of the power station and the field. And so if they are trying to avoid as possible acid fluid going to the power station and needed to change some pipes and things like that. So it's a very, you know, we've been doing this in in the world for more than 60 years. So it's not a, we often forget because it's not as new, I would say, as growing well, as we're seeing a lot of the wind and the solar going on. So we learned a lot in the last 60 years of how to utilize those, those, those fluids and those systems. So I'm very optimistic about it. Let's just put it that way. And uh, can it be generated in many parts of the country? We think at the moment of uh, the Central North Island, but where else are the resources in Aotearoa? So in New Zealand, if you really want to go at those high temperature and those high temperature conventional system, there's not that many other possibility than the Central North Island. Uh, which is not so bad because we that's where we need most of the electricity to be generated, to be honest. But there are other technology such as the low or to medium temperature that suddenly increase drastically uh, the regional potential of geothermal. And so that's if you're looking at the heat map of New Zealand or in flow, which one of my colleagues at GNS we've been I mean my colleagues here have been working really quite drastically on. Uh, they are some area where you have a medium temperature aquifer and they, the technology exists where you can put open loop system or closed loop system in the ground in 100 meters. We're not talking kilometers here. It's like really at shallow depths. And this, you can generate heat and you can generate it to warm greenhouse, to dry timber to do all the thing, or even to provide heat into uh, district heating in some area. It's well done in Iceland. It's done in the Netherlands. Netherlands is one of the most uh, biggest country for crops, and it's a tiny, cold country, and they're still doing it. So the potential of geothermal is not only electricity generation, but it's also heat resource. And it's something that people necessarily uh, don't realize is how much we're using electricity or fuel to generate heat. And it's a bit, the best way to not lose energy is to use the energy for what it is. So to take heat, to have heat. So geothermal in that sense provide a great opportunity. And then your, your regional, the, you know, you're getting Tohranga, Auckland as some high to like medium temperature aquifer or abnormal, I would say, geothermal gradient. Uh, the whole Ipan fault as is obviously a little bit warmer. You can basically utilize some just the heat from the ground everywhere. And uh, how expensive is it to get the electricity in geothermal terms? Because there are now you know increasingly uh, inexpensive solar panels that we could access or wind. So what are the options there in terms of getting? cost-effective uh, electricity? So obviously I'm not an economist, so if I, <laughs> just, to let you, just to let you know, um, uh, it's, it's, I, but that is the biggest challenge of geothermal, particularly both, both um, in terms of power station. The upfront cost of building a power station is obviously not negligible. And it's the same way then, you know, you will build a, a large infrastructure. In terms of when you're comparing that with some of the projects that exist on hydro battery or things like that, I mean, it's totally in the same order um, or even less. Power station, the Tohara power station, so this week was presented, 
they are around $700 million, but you're generating a large amount of electricity for 30, 40, 50 years. Um, so it's, it's a really long-term investment for any country, obviously. In terms of a lower to medium temperature heat transfer that I was talking about, because a lot, for example, the greenhouse, they're using a lot of fossil fuel to do that. And the cost of gas is becoming really expensive. So that's actually compensated almost the price of utilizing it from the ground. So you certainly don't have. So it's it's getting into the competitive. There's a lot of people that look at to reducing the economic of it. But it's 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 in this temperature that's that will that will become economic. I'm sure with the price of fossil fuel just going off the roof and the the just the pressure of getting rid of it. Um, that's the, that's that's the main the main thing. But in terms of big yeah, in terms of big um, economic, uh, it's um, I I can't really say more than that. Um, this is all very uh, topical with some of the consents coming up for uh, renewal. What are the risks here that you know uh, the RMA process, the consenting pro- process, somehow stymies or, or blocks some of the development? The resource consent for geothermal has already been quite strict. We're highly regarded as a country around the regulation and the policy. And so I think I believe that if a project is tough, there is a good reason why it should not be developed, um, because none of this... Not, no project should be at the expense of some of the surface feature, of some of the, the, the precious environmental uh, wonder that we have in New Zealand. So that's, that's the first thing, just to, 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 to be clear on, on that. I don't think that, to be honest, any government should increase the challenge to consent any renewable in, in the future. I, will, I think we will see more of a streamline of the processes and we just need to be sure that as part of that, we're not just streamlining one type of renewable, but really streamlining the entire portfolio of renewable uh, for the country, because we're going to need all of the different options. So we actually, we are well placed into not having any emission. And then also to demonstrate some tech and some use, you know, having New Zealand as an example worldwide of where it is actually feasible. And just finally, geothermal hasn't had a lot of attention in the whole debate about how we electrify, even though it is largely and increasingly renewable and already in place. Um, why do you think that is? Why have we sort of, you know, gone down other rabbit holes and, you know, debated other things when it's been sitting there in the Central North Island um, steaming away all that time? Yeah, for decades. You're right. You're perfectly right. It's the forgotten renewable. And it's, I think it's because, as I said, it's an old energy source, you know, post Second World War, we were already, it was developed, you know, as the beginning of the, the nuclear power. When you're thinking about it, it's actually quite a long time ago. And we've been happy utilizing it without thinking too much about this source of energy as a renewable, because at that time, there was definitely less pressure around renewable energy. So what happened, I think, in this ramp up of renewable energy, geothermal was as such not considered as part of a possible mix. And it's only, and the the industry was not very good as well as 
opening up to all the other renewable, opening up to what we know and what is the value that geothermal can provide to to a country and how we can better integrate it in terms of you know, the collaboration and the down cascade of the use of geothermal. As I was saying, it's not only electricity, it's also heat. Why we haven't developed geothermal in the way, for example, that the Icelandic have been developing, which are all homes are central heated with geothermal water. They're using the heat for plenty of processes. It's a little bit of, we, we look model outside of what, for example, Iceland could do. And so we've been, just doing some normal, we had coal, we were burning coal. And so geothermal became just this, you know, distant cousin. And But really, we are trying to link more and to make geothermal as important for New Zealand as the other renewable energy source, because it's also baseload, because it provides a different opportunity. And in a country like New Zealand, we should really, this is really a treasure that we have. This is a unique thing. There's very lot of countries that will envy our geothermal resource and the potential we have with them. We already, and I think the also problem is that, you know, we're already at 90% renewable energy in our electricity generation, not our electricity consumption. So the increase of renewable is doesn't look for a massive drastic change in change of generation. It's not like Europe or US who have suddenly have to really change the way they're generating electricity. For us, it's like, oh, we just need to put more wind. And But at the same time, we are consuming so much fossil fuel in this country that we, with the electrification of the energetic system, we really need to think, actually, we're going to need to at least double our electricity generation. And, and that's where we really want, I think, the whole geothermal community really want to open open the arm, open the you know the jacket and and say, hey, let us play all together so we can get the fast outcome as possible and we can all have the best future for Aetaroa. Isabel, thank you so much for being on When the Facts Change. Thank you for having me. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, Podcast Manager at the Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.